Nothing But Net NBA podcast. Featuring Jamie, Mike, and Steve. We are live here from the Nothing But Net podcast. I'm your host, Asap. Uh, we had what I would call an entertaining round of play-in games, starting with the Hawks taking down the Heat. In a lot of game, uh, in a game where a lot of people gave the Hawks no chance, the Lakers come back from double digits to claim the seventh spot. On Wednesday, the Bulls get a massive win in Toronto, and thunder strikes in New Orleans as they take down the Pelicans. Um, but in the end, Jimmy Butler and Max Drews combined for 62 to carry the Heat into the playoffs. Um, and the Thunder doesn't strike twice, and the T-Wolves dominate at home to secure the eighth spot in the West. Um, Jamie, what's going on? The Lakers make the play-in. Uh, the playoffs on Tuesday wasn't pretty, but got the job done. Yeah, that's pretty much been the uh, storyline of the whole year for them. Um, a lot of times it's not pretty, but um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, mission accomplished as far as making the playoffs, and um, now Memphis is on their radar. Yep, Mike, um, just how the season's gone for the Bulls, right? Slow starts um, should never be the engine uh, or the key that gets the engine going because, you know, the league is too talented just to always be down by double digits. Um, It comes back, bites them in the ass last night. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on um, how the Bulls' seasons went in your eyes. Yeah, I think pretty much what Jamie said about the Lakers and what you just said, that's kind of the Bulls mantra this season. I personally think they, I want to say they underachieved, but at the same time, the way the team is presently constructed, uh, it has certain limits. And I think those limits were quite on display. Um, but even so, I, I think they probably could have achieved a little higher, um, but not, not having Lonzo Ball, uh, Zach Levine injured for the first part of the season, um, first few weeks, and only playing, um, you know, one night of back-to-backs doesn't help any of that. Um, they need to do some roster reconstruction, in my opinion. I think one of Vooch, uh, DeRozan, or Levine probably need to get traded. Um, and I don't know. Uh, that's They're a 500 team, roughly, and that's kind of how they performed uh, all year and how they performed in that play-in tournament. Good win against... Um, Geez, I just lost who they played. Uh, Toronto. Thank you. Holy crap, I can only think about the Heat game. Again, down early. Then you go down early again to the Heat. They couldn't climb back. That's just been them the whole year. Frustrating, I'll say. Yeah, and before the year started, we knew the East was deep. Um, Lonzo Ball, we thought, would be back. Never comes back. They had to go out and try and make a move on the margins with... uh, Patrick Beverly, um, believe they got him in the buyout market. Um, they just didn't really have a lot to them after the Vooch trade. They had picks still going out, and I don't know. It was just a tough year for the Bulls. They just never got their legs under them, and the league was tough. And once you got behind this year, it, for a lot of teams, it was just ultimately too much. And for the Bulls, they kind of put themselves in a bad spot early. Uh, tried to make something out of it late. Made a run at it. Um, thought they were going to pull last night off. But uh, Jimmy Butler and Max Drews just uh, didn't let it happen. I, Max Drews had, what, like 26 in the first half last night? 
and yeah. the Bulls were like still in that game, and I felt confident that the Bulls were gonna be able to win because I knew you knew Struess wasn't obviously gonna be able to continue that. Uh, once he kind of stopped Jimmy G, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy G buckets, as they say, and the G is forget. He uh, came in in the clutch, as as you said, it's got that dog, and then the X rays came back. <laughs> the X rays came back last night, um, and it's interesting looking through the scope that you know the. Bulls didn't want to give the max deal to Jimmy Butler or Super Max, whatever one it was. Um, and here we are, five years later, still playing well. Um, kind of wonder if the Bulls wish they could go back and redo that. Well, it's probably longer than five years now. but Yes, anyway. All right, let's roll into our first series, though. We have a uh, playoff starting today at 1 o'clock. Our first series is the Nets in the 76ers. Mike, what's your storyline here? I think it's if the Nets can kind of um, defend this center position, uh, obviously facing off against Joel Embiid. I was looking at some metrics, um, and throughout the year, the Brooklyn Nets have been bottom tier or maybe between the bottom and mid-tier guarding the center position, which is interesting because Nick Claxton is actually pretty solid defensively I would think normally um I think they're giving up about 23 23.7 points to the center position on average but when you've got guys like um Jokic and Embiid obviously those stats are going to be a little inflated so uh it comes down if and it's to no surprise if they're able to contain Embiid um if he gets his high 20s um even maybe low 30s, you might be able to live with that. But if he's getting upper tier 30s, even 40s, uh, this it's going to be pretty light work uh, for the 76ers, I would think. What if they do contain him in the high 20s? Can they win the series? See, I think this series, well, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about our winner and stuff, but I think this may be a little closer than what some may anticipate. I, I don't know if I would say seven series or seven games, and I don't think Brooklyn would win, but you also have the James Harden, who if he can perform um, in the playoffs, if he can show up, and then that that's kind of like a two-headed dragon there. Uh, and then you have Maxi who can fill in the gaps if, if those two aren't, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders. So Embiid can still get high twenties, but if Harden's giving you also 23, 25, 11, 12 assists, then you know obviously others are scoring elsewhere. Jamie, can the Nets win this series? Um, yes, um, they can. Um, I don't think they will, but um, I mean, I don't. This is, will not be easy by any stretch of the imagination for the 76ers. Um, Brooklyn is. I mean, they're young now. Uh, Mikael Bridges is a certified All Star ever since he's gotten to. Um, Brooklyn, he's played 83 games this year, which in the regular season, I'm not sure if that's a record or not. It seems like it would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike touched on it a little bit. It's going to come down to Nick Claxton, um, guarding Joel Embiid. And it's not a good matchup for Nick, Nick Claxton. As good as a defender he, as he is, he doesn't have the size, um, or, or the strength to, um, to do so how is this series it. close? If if Nick I just Claxton that, and the Nets think, are very not as good at guarding the paint, I don't understand how the best team that's scoring in the paint and at the free throw line. 
keeps it. I think Brooklyn could score. I mean, they got Cam Johnson, they got Mikel Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie. Any of those guys can give you thirty any night. Um, and I think they have uh, favorable matchups besides Joel Embiid on the perimeter. Uh, I think if Mikael Bridges wants to guard Harden uh, the entire game, that's going to give him fits the entire game. Um, I think there's a lot of lot of little things that could happen in this series, but ultimately I, I would pick the Sixers in six. All right, we're not there yet, but all right, what's your storyline, Jim? My storyline is, uh, I'm probably going to steal this from you, is the James Harden legacy series right here. Legacy postseason. Um, is he going to get over that hump? Um, him and Joel Embiid. Um, are they going to, the two stars in Philly, are they going to actually do something, you know, uh, profound in the playoffs and not just get bounced uh, in the second or first round? Yeah, the James Harden stuff I, I figured would come up is I think the part of this is him returning to Brooklyn. I think he's extremely motivated. Um, I, I, I don't, I know a lot of people talk about this transformation from Brooke Lopez, but sometimes people forget that James Harden went from winning three scoring titles to now having back-to-back assist titles. That transformation has extended the life of him. Everyone wants to say like, you need to put your best defender on him to stop him from scoring. No, James Harden scores at the free throw line now for, you know, a lot of people, you know, probably don't watch him every night. He shoots 10, 12 free throws a night. That's only going to continue in the postseason. But now, not only is he getting those free throws, he's also getting these 11 assists in this dominant pick and roll with Joel Embiid. Um, the NBA, to me right now, seems like it's a very duo-heavy game. And this is one of the best duos. I'm not really sure why we're not thinking about the 76ers as more as if they do get through this round. And the Celtics, obviously, we're going to assume gets through. If Robert Williams isn't healthy... I don't know why we're just saying the Celtics are just going to walk through the or the Celtics are walk through the Sixers. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting series in the second round. I don't necessarily think that this one will be this interesting, um, but I think this is a huge moment for James Harden in his career. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a good point, and um, what you said too. I don't think enough people realize that James Harden is. <laughs> Say what you want about him, but um, the scoring, but he's also obviously dishing the ball uh, at a high rate. And like you said, um, I think sem- I just think this series to start is probably, you know, the 76ers have just a little tester. I, I-, I think they do get by pretty clean, but um, yeah, if they were to face against Boston next series, then you're right. The matchup is, again, not totally in Boston's favor in, in terms of guarding Embiid. So uh, it, it depends. Like Jamie's saying, I think it just depends if J- James Harden steps up to the plate. But I think this is, his, this is as good a spot as any for him to do it. And I think he has to. Especially in a year yeah. where he finally was snubbed of being an all-star. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Brooklyn... Say what you want. They have no pressure on them. And that yeah. sometimes is dangerous with a team that has no pressure, no really um, expectations. They're here not necessarily because of them. I mean, yeah, they've played decent um, since the trade. But for the most part, this is a KD, Kyrie, 
led team that got them up there and they've kind of just like floated along but right now they have no expectations and that's a dangerous team i just don't agree i'm sorry i don't know i think like so we should think the hawks are dangerous because like they have no expectations now against the celtics like i understand they're a lower seed my th- my well, storyline the eastern conference finals two years ago didn't they the Nets? So no, they lost in the semi. No, the, the semi Hawks. conference. Oh yeah, yeah. So what uh, you anyway, mean? keep going. No, what you mean? Like, what do you mean? The Hawks went to the conference finals. Well, you said you said the Hawks don't have any expectations, just like the Nets is what you're saying. I don't think the Hawks have any expectations. We all wrote them off against the Heat, and now we're gonna write we're gonna write them off again against the Celtics. What are the expectations? I'm I'm talking about as a whole, your expect like the Hawks, they made trades for Murray this offseason. They yep. actually had uh That's six months ago though. Like the storyline has changed. I mean, I guess, but if you, the Hawks the Hawks are were supposed to be I mean, as constructed, they were supposed to be I mean, up up in the, and so were the Nets. top five. Yeah, but not the way they're constructed right now is what I'm saying. A lot has changed since then. That's my point with the Hawks. <laughs> That's my point with the Hawks. Anyway, my story my storyline is Mikel Bridges. It's his first series as a real number one option. He's had, uh, I think, six or seven 30-point games with Brooklyn. He only had one in Phoenix. He's averaging 26.1 on 48, 38, and 89 percentage. Uh, shooting from you know field goal three uh, in the free throw line, I don't know if he could truly be a number one. And I also ultimately think this is where the Nets are going to get hurt in the series. I don't think the Nets have someone they can just go to and score. Um, Mikel Bridges, eighty four percent of his baskets in Brooklyn were assisted on, so he's not really this isolation scorer that I think you really need when the game really slows down in the postseason. I don't think Brooklyn has that. And as we roll into my prediction here so we can get moving, I really like where the 76ers are sitting. I think a lot of people are overlooking the 76ers. Um, they have the same odds as some team. Like, they're like plus 1,000 for to win the finals. And I think it's just a great line for them right now. Um, not sure if I'm playing it. I might. But I ultimately like the 76ers in five. Mike alluded to the paint, uh, paint defense of the Nets being weak. Joel Embiid is the MVP. James Harden has been disrespected as not being an all-star. I like the 76ers to come in and take care of business early. Mike, your prediction. I will go I'll go one step further. Um, I'll go 76ers in six. We only really have one game to look at when since Bridges has been there, and it was a three-point game. Uh, 76ers won 101 to 98. The second game was like the last game of the season or something so it didn't really matter um so i think they i think they play them tight i think 76 is just a good spot for them to hopefully get the wheels turning early so i'll go 76 or six jamie yeah that's um i'm exactly the same way 76 is in six um first couple games will probably be um a little tougher uh, as far as like close, but once uh, the 76ers get locked in, I think it's over. All right, let's roll into our next series. We have the Hawks and the Celtics. Jamie, what's your storyline? For me, I mean, I don't, 
this one's this one's tough for me. This I feel like this is gonna be a snooze fest. Uh, I feel like they're gonna Atlanta's gonna get swept. But storyline for me is um, Joe Mazzula, I guess. Um, can he bring this Celtics team that uh, a year prior went to the finals? Can he get this team back there with? I mean, pretty much the same team other than maybe Brogdon. Um, and so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the Celtics to uh, if they can repeat or not. All right, um, Mike. Do you think the Celtics could repeat? Uh, repeat to the conference finals. I do think they have every potential to do so. It's just that there's that three-headed monster of in the East of the Bucks and the Seventy Sixers and the Celtics. And unfortunately for the Celtics, they got to roll through the Seventy Sixers first. So their path is certainly more difficult, but I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, the East. The East is going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, this first round is not really that interesting to me, but I think the second round series are going to be extremely tight. Um, Mike, what's your storyline for this series? Um, I'll keep it pretty short and uh, sweet here. I just need Jason Tatum to be more consistent at, at a high level than he was last year in the playoffs. A lot of it was Jalen Brown. Tatum had spots where he was great. Tatum had spots where he wasn't great. So I think this first round series against the Hawks, I don't know if, well, I will get into the prediction after. Um, I just think it's a really good spot for Tatum to pick it up and, um, you know, start off at a really, playing at a really high level in the playoffs. I think he's averaging 26, 8, and 7 against the Hawks this year. So those are good numbers. No, he's been incredible against the Hawks. I did catch that. I also, the one thing I did want to talk about with Jason Tatum is he really had a disappointing second half to the year after the all-star break. Um, I don't know that it gets talked about enough because they were kind of in cruise control. And then the one big game they did have, it felt like down the stretch where everyone played was against the Bucks, and they absolutely ran the Bucks out of the building. But other than that, outside of that game, I wasn't really that impressed um, with Boston. And uh, after the all-star break, they did get hot towards the end, but, the end of the year, like the last 10 games, how many of those guys were playing? How many guys were sitting for either team? Um, I just, I think Tatum goes crazy here. Um, I but I kind of like Jalen Brown in this series, and I'll, I'll say the why on my storyline. Uh, Jamie, go ahead. What what do you think about Jason Tatum in the series? Yeah, I'm looking for him to, um, I mean, assert himself as the the best player not only in this series but try to assert himself as the best player in the eastern conference here um and without tatum at his peak they're not going to get by the bucks they're not going to get by the sixers he's got to play at his peak and be the best player on the floor that is for sure my storyline is um i want to see how the hawks are going to hide trey young defensively in this series if there's any way I think they're going to match up on him. Um, you know, Deontay Murray is going to have to either, he's probably going to be the one guarding Jalen Brown, but there's going to be a ton of pick and roll in which they put Trey Young into it. Um, I've already kind of talked about Bob Williams. I think he's the X factor for Boston this postseason. Bob Williams only played 37 games. Um, I really like him as a player, but if he's not available to them, I'm, I'm very suspect of the Celtics team uh, coming out of the East. They need him to be at his best. 
They also need to find that defensive niche they've had last year that I just don't see them having this year. And I think a big reason is because they didn't have Bob. Um, so if he can be that, he can bring the aspect to this team for Jamie, as Jamie said, to go back to the finals. Do you um, have an injury update on him? Sorry to interrupt. Um, I, I honestly haven't heard much. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm in the same boat. I, I would assume he does, plays minimal. This like I like I think he plays closer to the end of the series. Then yeah, give him a yeah, give him a couple days to ease in and then get him lined up because he's gonna have a heavy workload next round. Uh, Jamie, your prediction in the series? Uh, just a quick peek. It looks like uh, Robert Williams is not on the injury list, so he should be playing tonight. Um, sorry, what, uh, what was the question? Your prediction. My prediction is a gentleman's sweep here. I'm going 4-1 uh, Celtics. Um, they live and die by the three. I'm thinking one of these games... Uh, they don't shoot it as well, and uh, the Hawks can knock them off. But, I mean, besides that, it's gentleman sweep for me. Celtics sweep the season series 3-0. I'm taking them to sweep the series. Mike? Uh, I will go. I really want to say straight sweep, but I'll just lean gentleman sweep. If these guys are really thinking ahead, they a sweep for them just to be four and done would go a long way when you know you're facing Embiid next round. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they play it. They could definitely try and extend a game, try to get Bob a few more minutes if they needed, but we'll see. Bob, you know, he's he's a guy like we said, he played thirty seven games. I just think he's the X factor for that Celtics team to get where they're going. Next, let's roll into probably one of the best series of the first round: the Cavs and the Knicks. It's kind of been looking this way for the past month. Uh, it's finally here. The Knicks have won the season series three to one. I think the storyline, I'll start here. I'm a Cavs fan, so I'll take the reins. Um, I think the storyline for me is the Cavs youth. We see all these young teams come into the playoffs and they don't perform at this level. Um, the Cavs also play two small guards, which we haven't seen have success in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see if Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can truly be as good defensively as they were throughout the regular season. Um, to help the the pressure that those two guards are going to be facing. They have to find a way to slow down Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson obviously had that 44, 46-point game just a couple weeks ago against the Cavs. Um, it's going to be an extremely fun series, but the youth of the Cavs, I think, is the storyline here because you know we have Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Darius Garland Isaac Coro, three starters um, in their first playoff series, and I think that is going to be what could ultimately dictate how this series goes. Mike, your thoughts on the Cavs? You, yeah, they their future just clearly is bright. Um, you're talking about. I know you've you've raved about Mobley, and I think he's really. Uh, maybe it's I would say behind the scenes, or what I want to say, maybe under the radar, um, that he's kind of the engine to that team. Uh, but maybe it's really not so much under the radar. He he gets it on both ends, offensive and defense. Uh, defensively, for Donovan Mitchell. Um, he's allowed to, obviously he's an offensive juggernaut, but he's allowed to maybe take somewhat of a break on defense, just knowing that he has Jared Allen, uh, Mobley, of course, and the rest of his Cavs collected defense behind him. So the, the youth movement for the Cavs, uh, defensively that they're bought in is really what stands out to me. Yeah, absolutely. Best defensive efficiency in the league. 
Jamie, thoughts on the Cavs youth? I mean, yeah, they we uh we talked um before the year even started, once the Mitchell trade uh went through that the youth for them is unreal. And not only are they young, they're as talented as anybody. Um and de- I mean, defensively, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I mean, I know defense isn't that attractive for for most people, but those guys just know how to get it done. They not only shot blocking, but I mean, their hands are always active. Evan Mobley contests just about anything from half court on. Um, I'm really excited for uh, this series. It's probably my favorite one of the first round, honestly. Mike, what's your storyline? Uh, kind of just. Touched on it right there, actually, is uh, the defense. Cavs are going to go out there and defend at a high rate, no doubt about it. New York hasn't been great defensively, although Thibodeau is typically a a defensive-minded coach, so I think they do step it up in the playoffs a bit. This one kind of gives me, like, I I don't know. Does it make sense if I say it gives me, like, a 90s basketball feel, like just going to be hard-nosed defensive? Um, You know, I'm sure there's going to be games where Brunson or uh, Mitchell go off and get, you know, 40 or something. Um, But overall, I see this just being a a defensive minded game um, who can execute mostly on that. end. so uh, I'm looking really kind of like Jamie said, defensive is a defense isn't always the most attractive. But as a basketball fan, that's kind of what I'm looking for in that series. Yeah, the series, the series is going to be physical. It's going to be tough nosed and it's going to be a good one. There's no doubt. Jamie, uh, your thoughts on the defense and then your storyline as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just touched on it a little bit, so I'm not going to go into deep depth. Um, but I mean, Evan Mobley, probably top two or three, uh, defensive player of the year candidates this year. So anxious to, uh, see what he can do, how he can affect the game. Um, not only defensively, but offensively as well. Uh, my storyline is Brunson against Mitchell. Um, pretty much they are the heartbeats of this team offensively. Um, everything uh, pretty much goes through them. And um, I'm anxious to see who can, um, you know, out, out-duel the other um, in this series. Yeah, I think the Donovan Mitchell to the the Donovan Mitchell New York Knicks thing is going to be um, bananas, right? He grew up in New York. He wanted to be a New York Knicks. The New York Knicks had the deal done and uh, couldn't get to that last step. And um, and then ultimately the Cavs come in and steal Donovan Mitchell. And then the Knicks obviously already had Jalen Brunson, but. Um, you know, what could the Knicks be right now if it was Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell in their backcourt with Julius Randle opposed to just just uh, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle? So I think that's going to be interesting. Um, Julius Randle, I think, is also another piece to this that hasn't really been brought up. But he is playing in game one, but I'm not really sure how healthy he is. Mike, what are your thoughts on Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, well, those are obviously two of the headlines here, but I'm glad you did bring up Randle because... Randall, when he Randall's had a very good season, and I think, you know, when he first went to the Knicks, he had a stellar season. Then he kind of went down. Then he kind of came back up. So he's definitely shown signs of being able to control a game um, and really impact it at a high level. So that's another kind of storyline to me is how well and efficient uh, Julius Randall can play. 
Um, and he's got his work cut out for him too, as we keep saying that Evan Mobley and Jared Allen are going to be, um, you know, assigned to him, I'm sure for the most part. So, uh, if he can, this gets interesting if he's playing really well, but then if RJ Barrett can be consistent, um, also, so I, I mean, uh, Darius Garland as well. There's just a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Uh, It's a huge postseason for RJ Barrett. I think they don't really know what they have with him. Um, he does some good things, but he does some really bad things. Like some really bad things that I think we see more than most people for some reason. Um, but the Julius Randle thing's interesting on two ways. It'll be interesting to see if Evan Mobley can physically task banging down low with him over a seven game series. Um, I, I think this is a long series. I think everybody thinks this will be a long series. So can Evan Mobley be as effective defensively hanging with Julius Randle for seven games? Or uh, is he going to wear out and ultimately really hurt the Cavs? Um, and the other thing I have with Julius Randle, I just sometimes wonder to myself, are the Knicks better without Julius Randle? Because he plays so slow. He plays so, like, isolation heavy. Yes. And he has good games. So, like, I totally get why people are like, yeah, definitely. But, like, when I watched that last time I watched them play the Cavs without him, man, they were it was fast. They were moving it. Um, they were getting into space. Jalen Brunson was able to kind of do what Jalen Brunson wanted to do. I don't know that he necessarily has those full reins when Julius Randle's on the floor. Um, maybe that's me being biased and looking at it, but I just sometimes wonder if the Knicks would be better without Julius Randle. Uh, Jamie, your thoughts? I mean, yeah, Julius Julius Randle, is, I've had my qualms with him all year long. Um, he takes a lot of bad shots. He... He does hit <laughs> more than I think he is going to just about every game, just just from like watching him uh, as far as like ev- trying to evaluate his skill level, just like on a fast break, running full bore, and then just stops at the top of the key. Sometimes he'll smack it off the backboard. Other times it's nothing but net. It's just, um, I mean, yeah, it's, I think Randall and Mobley are going to be a very must-watch uh, matchup in this series as well. Absolutely. Uh, predictions starting with Jamie. Oh man, I've been this is this is probably the hardest one for me as far as um, picking a winner. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cavs in seven, um, which I that's probably like the most popular choice um, around the world right now. But that's where I'm going. Mike. Yeah, I pretty much have just been playing follow the leader with Jamie here. I'll go uh, Cavs in seven. Um, both teams are young. Both teams are hungry. I think they, you know, hard fought series, but I think Cavs pull it out. Yeah, the difference to me in this series, I think the Cavs defense being the best in the league is real. The Knicks having a top five offset offense with how much isolation they run doesn't feel real to me. Um, especially when the defense gets a little tighter in the playoffs. Um, I honestly hope the Cavs let Julius Randle go isolation more than not. Don't help, like, let Julius Randle try and beat you. Uh, I think that's the way I'd rather live opposed to uh, uh, Jalen Brunson ran offense. Um, I'll take Cavs in seven. Trust the defense more than I trust the uh, Knicks offense. And the Cavs have been good at home, and that's where game seven will be played. All right, guys, let's roll into our, our night game tonight. Warriors Kings. This is going to be one hell of a series. I, I I think 
I'm I'm just so interested to hear what our storylines in this because I think this can go so many different ways. So I'm gonna start here with you, Jamie. The beam is lit, um, but I think it's about to go out. Um, Golden State is back and ready to roll into this 2023 playoffs. Um, my storyline would just be the health of uh, the Warriors and. I guess not necessarily the health, but like just having everyone overall back with the Wiggins shit that's been going on. Uh, GP uh, is back, and um, he's one of those guys in the postseason that you just want to have out on the floor defensively. Um, and you know, Steph's back. Clay, Dre, um, I'm very, very interested. In, intrigued to watch uh, how this series unfolds as uh, these two offensive juggernauts go at each other. No love for Andrew Wiggins. Mike, what's your storyline? Um, I know I think popular the popular storyline here is going to be surrounded uh, the Warriors, so I'm going to kind of stick on the Kings side of things. I, I, I agree. I've, I've been like the beam all year kind of for them. I, I like their story and stuff. Uh, I just think it's a really good step forward uh, for the direction of that organization. Uh, especially when you got two young stars with Sabonis and Fox, you know, who's to say that this off season, they don't acquire somebody else. Um, I think the Kings kind of in the back of their head know that maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe they don't want to admit it. They never would, of course, but I think they know that they're not probably getting to that Western conference finals, even let alone the finals. Maybe I'm underselling their viewpoint. Uh, but I think overall they should be very, you know, happy with this year. And I think it's just a good stepping stone for the future. You don't think the Kings could get to the Western conference finals. Is that what you said? I don't, I don't think that, nor I, I think that I, the thought probably hasn't directly popped in their head, but they got to see the writing on the wall of the Western conference. And again, maybe I'm just, maybe I, you know, that's, but with their past though, where they, if like, let's just say they find a way out of this, like the Warriors are not a good road team. The Warriors are one of the worst road teams in the league. So let's just say somehow the Kings win all four games at home, and then go play the Lakers or the Grizzlies. You don't think they couldn't beat the Grizzlies? I think that would be I a fun series. No. Okay, I, I think it'd be fun. I, no, I don't. And I think you you said it. The Warriors are awful on the road, but the Kings are awful on defense. It takes yeah. how how easy is it for Clay Thompson or Steph Curry to catch fire? I mean, at the blink of an eye, I think it takes just one or two one quarter of a hot quarter for the Warriors, and they they win the game. But Warriors haven't defended great either. So, and I'm I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to undersell the Kings. I just no, I don't and, see it and like you said though, the King the Warriors haven't been great defensively either. Now, right. to be fair. Andrew Wiggins has missed probably the last two months of basketball for uh, off-the-court issues that involve his family. So, you know, we're glad to see him back. He's not going to start in the series. He's going to be getting 20 to 25 to start. Um, (laughs) But I feel like he might just be the difference in this series. Like, without Andrew Wiggins, I think I would probably pick the Kings. Without Wiggins? Without Wiggins, I'm probably picking the Kings. I I don't think the Warriors would have the defense. I think when push comes to shove, when we're talking about games five, six, and seven, Wiggins has four games under his belt. Um, it, and, you know, it I'm doesn't not necessarily it's saying it's going to go seven, but if that's how far it goes, like Wiggins is going to get better as the series goes on. 
I think that's a I think that's the difference in this series. That's the, my opinion. The, the well, not only but. the championship pedigree and playoff success doesn't like the that I guess strong history that they have doesn't do a whole lot for you. Oh, uh, it absolutely does. But I have watched the team win what eleven games on the road this year. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, I have watched. Um, they don't play any defense. Like if Wiggins is out of the equation. They have not been able to figure out how to stop teams. They've been one of the worst defenses in the leagues. Um, I think the pace of this series is something else that's going to be a lot of fun. Jamie, just want to chime in on some of the stuff we've been talking about here. I mean, yeah, I, I have right here in my notes that the I mean, the Kings have the number one offense and around the twenty fifth defense, and the Warriors are around you know, 20, 21st in points, allowing points per game and 17th in defensive rating. So it's not like, you know, both teams are ass at defense or have been uh, for most of the year. So, um, I mean, I think the Kings, man, the more I just think about it, this this whole season, they, they've heard the rumbles every single game. Um, they've, especially now that they're playing the Warriors, they're going to be the underdog coming in. Uh, I'm just, I'm ready to see what this, um, the lack of playoff, uh, just being in the playoffs for the Kings. Um, I'm anxious to see how that kind of affects them and opposite for the Warriors. Yeah. And it's going to be a madhouse down there in Sacramento, man. These, these fans have been waiting. Um, and I, but I think that's where, like, I think. It's really good for the Kings, but I think being a young playoff team, getting in these late games against the team as well as experienced as the Warriors is kind of going to hurt them. Close game, game one, crowd's going to be going absolutely bananas, and you feel like if you come up short, you know, you really lose a lot of steam. And I think that's the I, – I just – I don't know, man. I just don't see how the Kings necessarily win this series, and that's because of my storyline. And I just think the Warriors are going to put Sabonis in the pick and roll and they're just going to attack, attack, attack Sabonis just the same way they did to Jokic last year. Um, I honestly, I know a lot of people are like, wow, like this trade's a win-win. Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis. And I know there's a couple of other pieces, but those are the headline names in the deal. Um, but I think after this series, we're not going to be saying that was a fair trade. I think Sabonis is going to get like destroyed in the series. Um, and I think he's had a fine season. I think he can do a lot of things. Uh, he has no chance in that pick and roll with Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And I think Kevin Looney is um, underrated. And I think he's going to be able to bang with Sabonis down low and get you those 12, 13, 14 rebound games that you need from him uh, in the minutes that he's going to get. What's up, Jim? <laughs> Nothing. I'm just no love for Sabonis, man. No love for the boy. Um, I... The more I, like I said earlier, the more I look at this series, the more I want the Kings to come out and just, you know, assert absolute dominance offensively. I just, I just don't think it's going to happen like you guys. I mean, so I'm just like, we la you laugh, like no love for us a bonus, but we watched them play Kevin Love out of finals games. We've watched them run Jokic out of the gym. Like these big guys who can't guard the perimeter are the guys they attack and those are the guys they just feast on what they've done yeah, for yeah. so long because I mean, if you go under and you can't play over like Steph kills you that's why Steph is so great yeah the the pick and roll with the Warriors is just one of those um unstoppable unstoppable uh 
you know, offensive um, plays, whatever you want to call it. It's just whether he can hit the shots or not. I was listening to a podcast this week, and their suggestion to get Sabonis out of that pick and roll was to put him on Andrew Wiggins. And please do so, because Andrew Wiggins will torch you. That's my point. There's just nowhere to play him. in. you know, when Draymond goes to center, uh, there's going to be no one to put Sabonis on. And I don't know how, like, yeah, he's going to get you a ton of rebounds. But, in you know, you can trade the twos for the threes. But we've seen this happen with Golden State. Like, that shit just doesn't work for a long period of time. Um, let's go into our predictions, fellas. Uh, I'll lead here. I would love to say the Warriors in five. Uh, ultimately, they're just not good enough on the road for me to say that. So I will take the Warriors in six. I think we get a split in game one or game two. Uh, and then Golden State take care, takes care of business at home. Mike, your prediction. Oh, yeah. I'm just copying again. I go Warriors in six. I think the Kings do come out and win game one. Um, great for them. But like I said, ultimately, I think the Warriors are just going to pack a punch when they get hot. So uh, I will say Warriors in six. Good run, Joe Kings. Yep. Congrats for making the playoffs, and shout-out to Mike Brown, coach of the year. Absolutely. I'm going I'm going Kings in six after all this debating. Um, I just I want to see it. I'm going to try to, um, what do you call it, um, manifest it into happening. Speaking to um, existence, yeah. The Warriors um, aren't going to be able to win a road game. Um, and, yeah, I got the Kings in six. And the Kings are going to go in and knock off the defending champs at home. That would be uh, quite the storyline. I well, want the Kings win. to win. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I do, too. I, just, I absolutely I do, too. It's better if, I just think the Warriors will win, and I think it might be better just for playoff purposes if maybe if the Warriors win. I don't know. But I, I like, wholeheartedly am rooting for the Kings. It would be better. with the call, dude. It's definitely better for the Warriors or the Kings to win or the Warriors to win, like in the NBA perspective, because they would either get the Lakers where you can sell LeBron and Steph again, <laughs> or they get the Grizzlies where we already know everything between all of that. So let's roll in and talk about who the Warriors or the Kings might play in the Lakers or the Grizzlies here. Um, Jamie, we'll start here with you. What's your uh, storyline? What are you thinking for this matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies? My storyline is my storyline is the same as um, it has been all year long, and I'm not going to get off it now. It's what AD are we going to get? Um, he's played in two games against the um, Grizzlies this year and has absolutely dominated them. Uh, 29, 20 and a half, and three and a half blocks. Um, Say what you want about Jaron Jackson. He eats him alive, and I'm I'm looking for, you know, more of the same. Hoping for, at least. Yeah, I'm not even sure Jaron Jackson should even be dealing with Anthony Davis. He's, I think that's, like, one of the hugest parts about this. Um, can Jaron Jackson Jr. defend Anthony Davis? Like, if he's Defensive Player of the Year, he should have a big enough impact in this series on Correct. Anthony Davis to contain him to change this series. So if we're giving this guy defensive player of the year, which is what it's looking like it's going to be, which is, I have no qualms with, I, I said, that's who I would pick too. But now like you can't, you can't shy out of the moment. Now when we have Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is a hell of a basketball player, but defensive best player of the year, I expect uh, him to somehow change this series. Mike, your thoughts. 
Yeah, I, well, I kind of was going to go with Jaron Jackson as kind of my story as an X Factor, but we we hit it right there. So I'm just going to really pivot to just the storyline of the Grizzlies as a whole and uh, definitely focusing on John Morant. They've just had a season full of like the Dylan Brooks, all of Dylan Brooks antics and, and comments. Obviously, the John Morant, um, you know, controversy. Uh, I think they <laughs> they got to put their money where their mouth is this this series. I think they're talking about like rivalries with the Warriors and all this. I, we've talked about how immature they are, um, kind of their youth. I don't know. For me, if, if you guys don't come out and win this series, then I'd say y'all got to like put a cap on it. It's calm down. It's it's kind of like a, I don't know, I want to say a heat check, but just kind of a check for the, the Grizzlies here that if you're, if you're doing all this talking, we're this, we're that, um, and don't come out and back it up, man. I don't know. You Like a reality it's, check. It says a lot to me about them. What's that? A reality check. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm, I'm looking for. And then kind of within that, John Morant, with what you've done this season with your off-court stuff, you have to come out here and um, honestly just have kind of the best series of your life, in my opinion, or in that playoff run. Because anything less, I think he gets scrutinized a little bit. I think he gets, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say blame, but it just doesn't look good if he comes out and underperforms. So I think there's pressure on them in that regard. It's also tough for the Grizzlies. Um, I think a name that kind of gets left out when we're talking about their season is Steven Adams. I think he's had a fine season. I think he does a lot of good things. And then when we're talking about the playoffs and matchups, this is where you want Steven Adams really badly. Is he going to stop AD? Probably not. But he's going to be able to con- not contain, but he's going to be able to battle with KD for or AD for seven games. Um, I, I think. I think that's really the difference for me in this series right now is no Steven Adams, who's going to be able to take the physical toll to bang with Anthony Davis for seven games and still be effective on the other end of the floor. If it's Jaron Jackson, is Jaron Jaron Jackson going to lose offensive production? Because that's a big risk. Xavier Tillman, I'm not really sure he's going to be able to compete um, at the level with Anthony Davis in a playoff series, but that's just kind of where I'm at with the uh, Grizzlies right now. Jamie, your thoughts? On the yeah, and and Triple J has uh, had problems all years just staying in the game as far as not fouling out. Uh, he fouls a lot. He bl- gets a lot of blocks, don't get me wrong, but he also uh, has fouled out of a lot of games this year. And if you're trying to guard AD for you know a sus- uh, substantial amount of time, I think um, if you're not smart, you're gonna you're gonna get in foul trouble very quickly. Without a doubt, um, my my storyline for this can LeBron James just be the dominant force we've seen LeBron James be in the playoffs? Uh, you know, in like 2016, 2015, 24, all those years, can he still be that guy? I know I, when I watch the Lakers and I watch LeBron, it just feels like he doesn't have that extra step that he used to have anymore. Um, not that it's a bad thing. He's obviously still can be very effective and efficient in a series. He's still going to uh, hunt different matchups where he's going to want to attack. He's going to want to attack Jaw and Desmond Bain. You're going to see a lot of them in the pick and roll. Um, but then, like, is LeBron still going to be able to go out there and average the 32, 33 points per game in the playoffs that we're used to seeing? Or is this where, like, AD really has to be 
uh, the alpha because that could really dictate how I feel about this series. Mike, your thoughts? I'm actually a little surprised to hear that say that. Um, not that you're cutting him down by any stretch at all. Um, but yeah, I think I think LeBron's going to go out there and get his averages. Um, I, I just think that's just kind of the player he is. He's consistent. He does what he needs to to win. Um, it's really the guys surrounding him that uh, really, I think, just need to step up if they're to to win this series. We talk about Anthony Davis a lot. I've mentioned it several times. His consistency is always what worries me. Um, I kind of think he does step up this uh, to this challenge uh, for this series. Dennis Schroeder needs to play well. AR-15. Um, I probably shouldn't be making gun references here. Uh, Austin, <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> Austin Reeves. Um, try, I, their defense, Vanderbilt. D'Lo. I mean, all these guys got to step up, and I... I think kind of having LeBron as your leader and knowing that he's been successful and is LeBron James, that that just kind of builds you up. If I'm the players around him, like, yeah, we got this guy's leading us into the charge. Yeah, let's go. You know, I, I, so it's the guys around him that really need to step up. Yeah. And just to say this real quick, Jamie, before I go to you, um, I, I yeah, no shot at LeBron, but no stretch the imagination. No, no, I just think right. year 20, 38 years old, 60,000 minutes, like it's going to catch up at some point. And like, I just not as like when we're talking about him in Cleveland and Miami, like this guy was 35 a night. Like he he was, you were winning with that guy no matter what. And I just want to see if he's still able to be that guy. Jamie, your thoughts. Yeah, it's, you know, the question is, can he kind of, morph into playoff mode um like we've seen in the past um like you said you're 20 uh, a lot of miles on those legs um father time is undefeated but can can lebron kind of just switch into playoff mode like he has in the past and um to me it's not necessarily all about the scoring i want to see him do all the other things that really make these guys go um can he get uh D'Angelo Russell and um, Malik Beasley and um, Schroeder AR-15. Can he get those guys good looks? And Because um, we know what AD is going to do. Um, to me, it's it's all the other things besides scoring that I'm going to need from LeBron as, as well as defending. Yeah, no, absolutely. Defense will be huge for him. He has to step up. Um, he has to lock in. He usually always has this next gear. It's time to see if he still has that next gear where he can kick it into and say, uh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this series." Exactly. Let's roll into let's roll into predictions. Um, I I can start. I this is tough. I I don't know what to do here. Again, I think the difference is no Stephen Adams, but. I think I'm still going to lean with the Grizzlies seven game series. Um, I think it's going to go to seven. I think it's just going to go back and forth at the end of the day. The Grizzlies have home court where they're very good. And I think Jaron Jackson just can do enough defensively to contain Anthony Davis at the end of the day. Mike, your prediction. Um, yeah, I agree. This, this one kind of like the Cavs Knicks is tough for me. Um, I am going to lean Lakers in seven. So I'm, I'm with you, Steve. Seven games. Uh, I just think I, I think all the, the BS that the Grizzlies have gone through and what what they are, like I said, immature, this and that, I think it kind of catches up if they face a little um, ad, adversity this series. Um, 
I think the Lakers got a couple more vets that have been through a bit of that more um, and are a little more poised. Uh, as long as everybody shows up, I think the Lakers close one, but I think they get it done in seven. And I know we talked about uh, Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins is coach of the year. Like if Mike Brown, you know, we were, there was the scenario. Um, a huge series for Taylor Jenkins to see if he's able to dial these guys in against two of the best in the game. Jamie, your prediction. Yeah, I've talked about him a lot uh, this year negatively. Um, Dylan Brooks, uh, he he's going to learn, I think, this series that you got to be careful who you call out. And I'm taking the L.A. Lakers in six games. Ooh, six games. Yeah, I mean, LeBron has been good when people call him out, so. Um, hey, I, I again, I'm cheering for the Lakers here, but my mind just brings me to the Grizzlies at home in seven. Um, so, yes, go ahead. Sorry. I'm no, you're also good. here for the the Shannon Sharp uh, over under one and a half like conver- <laughs> uh, confrontations with Shannon Sharp in L.A. It's got to happen. Oh, you it's going to be that's going to be something. Different. Somebody's going to say something, you know, it's going to happen. And, you know, the Shannon Sharp series, the Shannon Sharp series. Yeah. Dylan Brooks going to go over, run his jaw. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's. Jokes aside, yeah. No, I. Uh, that's a good point. Um, next series, we've saw this one the last couple of years. Is it's my storyline, the Heat and the Bucks. We've seen them play the last three playoffs. This will be the fourth straight playoffs with this matchup. Remember, four years ago they played in the bubble in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, that's where the Heat beat the Bucks. That was supposed to be Giannis's first championship appearance. But then the year after, they do take down the Heat. Do go to the finals. Last year, they take them out in the first round or not the first round, but the second round, I think. And then this year, it's a first-round matchup where the Bucs have won the last two. Um, feels like the Bucs are just going to make this three, guys. I, I'm not sure Miami gets a game here. They looked old in the play-in. Uh, they had a nice stretch against the uh, the Bulls there, but I, I just I think uh, Milwaukee's going to be way too much for Miami in this series. I'm not even hiding my prediction. I think this is a sweep. Jamie Storyline. Yeah, I mean, we could probably all say the same exact thing that you just said about this um, series. It's, I mean, Giannis has played pretty much one game against the Heat this year. He's got 35, 15, 11, 1 and 1. Um, He's just, there's no, my storyline is just, there's no person, not only in the league, but especially on the Heat, that is going to be able to um, limit Giannis's production. And, I mean, yeah, he's pro- in my opinion, he's the best all-around basketball player on earth, and especially against a Heat team that you can't really put Bam on him because then Brooke Lopez is going to eat. So I don't even know who really is going to be playing defense on Giannis. Um, so yeah, that'd be mine. Yeah, Mike. Um, Storyline. Uh, to me, just this is the the start of what I predict as or early season predicted as the bucks uh title run um same thing i think they if they're kind of looking ahead let's say the Cavs win uh that's no easy matchup as well i think they just want to get it done clean cut get out of their four games so i think they just need to the storyline just come out and handle business Giannis, i think is on a in a good mindset i think he's been flying under the radar a bit this season i think he knows that um I think there's been a lot of, uh, what I want to say, narrative that it's kind of a two-man race for the MVP. And I think he might feel slighted about that. I think he's going to go out and um, 
you know, make sure that people remember him and what he's capable of. I'll hop right into it too. I almost want to give it Bucks uh, a five game, give the the Jimmy G effect one game. But if I'm to pick a sweep for this first round, it's going to be here. So I'll I'll go Bucks in four. Also, uh, just a side note that before, because I know this series, there's not a lot to talk about, but if there is one talking point, it is the health of Chris Middleton. Uh, unsure of his status in game one. Uh, no, he's coming in banged up if he is playing. Um, he was he got hurt last year and missed a lot of the playoffs, and that's kind of where it went bad for the Bucks. It'll be interesting to see if that will be the same storyline this year for the Bucks in the postseason. That's um, uh, something else I've got just popped in my head that I wanted to say is we're talking about defense. If, if if Jimmy Butler, if if he's the main driving force here of the Heat, you can almost throw one through four, maybe even five of the Bucks on Jimmy Butler and feel like Chris Middleton can go out and guard him. Drew Holiday, Giannis can go out and guard him. Uh, they have Pat Connington, like uh, Bobby Portis if he's out there, uh, Brooke Lopez even. You know, I, so I just think that's just too much. Brooke Lopez isn't going to keep up. Jay with Crowder. Him, but he's Jay Crowder. Jesus, forget him. And Jimmy Butler is obviously not shooting much. I, I so I, the defensive, the defensiveness of the the Bucks, I think, is really just a driving force for them. Yeah, they have so many different pieces, and that's probably why they're the favorite to win the NBA championship. Jamie, uh, your prediction? Yeah, short and sweet. Bucks and four. Bet the wife and kids on yeah. it. The house, everything. <laughs> Oh no! This is not financial advice, folks. We <laughs> yeah, do not totally. need a lot. We do not need <laughs> losses. <laughs> my yeah, my no, betting that advice is, not is financial about advice. as good as my uh, <laughs> my doctor advice. Man, we're gonna have kids out on the run. And all right, anyway, kids man. losing houses. Yeah, we're gonna have family yeah. splitting up because of Jamie's advice. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, Jamie's got some we'll, extra we'll room in his, his room. We'll post his cell phone number too if you guys have issues. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't keep the receipts people don't keep the receipts <laughs> oh man all right let's roll into a series that would be a whole lot of fun paul george is playing in it but from the sounds paul george is not going to be available for this series Clipper Suns feels like a little legacy series for Kawhi and kd um but ultimately Kawhi doesn't have a sidekick uh just kind of the story for the Clippers, guys. That's that you know my story. All this rest, and yet you're not gonna have one of your superstars when it matters. That just proves the rest don't mean bunch of that it don't mean shit. It could happen at any given moment when they're playing, when they're not playing. Um the Clippers scheme is a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch of fraud, and I think uh the Clippers days are coming to an end. I hey man. We, I, I they want to sit here and tell me that all the rest that they have been taking all year was going to benefit them, and their second best player isn't available in this series. I have nothing more to say. The Clippers are going to get beat in six games. Mike, your storyline. How many games did you say? Sorry, six. Uh, I said six. I think you get a couple out of Kawhi. I think Kawhi can give them some challenges, but I don't know that it's. That yeah, um, I'm kind of with you here. I think. I think so many things are going right now for the Suns when, when they're whole healthy. I think, um, I don't know, I saw a quote by like Chris Paul that, about his championship running, like, nobody wants it more than me or whatever. Like, I get it. You haven't run or you haven't won a championship. 
I, to me, Booker just seems more of a dog, wants it more, is going to go out here and show that he wants it more. Um, and, oh, yeah, you also have Kevin Durant, who is obviously going to go out there and do his thing, clearly successful with Suns. Uh, there's also, I guess, a little bit of a revenge game here, or a revenge series uh, with Chris Paul going against the, his old organization with the Clippers. Um, I That's think a good Kawhi, one. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think Kawhi and the Clips get a couple games, like you said, Steve, but ultimately the Suns are just if no Paul George, the Suns are going through this, they're 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 just gonna I think be too much for them to handle. So I'll go uh Suns in six as well. And just a side note, because everyone is going to take the Suns to go to the finals at least, I would assume. Um no team has ever made a trade for as big of a like as like for like a superstar like Kevin Durant and won the finals. And I think that could change or that could be uh, the thing that no one sees coming. Jamie, your thoughts, your storyline, fiction, just kind of your thoughts on the series. Uh, well, quickly, storyline. Um, I'm going with the Russell Westbrook versus uh, Chris Paul legacy. Like who, which career would you rather have? And um, And... Yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's there's Russ playing against KD. There's CP3. Um, his legacy is he ever going to win a damn chip? Um, you know, not to mention, uh, oh, I lost what I was going to say. Oh, the Suns haven't lost yet this year with KD. Um, <laughs> I know it's a short sample size, but I mean, when it's completely one sided, uh, it's just wild um, that they haven't you know, lost a game, whether KD plays good or not. He just seems to elevate these guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, no Paul George is killer. Um, he's, I think if Paul George is playing, this game would go seven, and I don't know where it would go because um, I think the Clippers are that deep. But you just need um, two, you need two scorers that you can give the ball to um, that can ISO, and the Suns have it and the Clippers don't. What's your prediction, Jeff? My prediction is the Suns in six. Um, boring, but I just think uh, that's what it's going to be. And uh, did you want to throw out that KD stat that you were talking about yesterday? Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, we were flying through this. Uh, I saw the Paul George, and I was like immediately deflated of this series news yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah, Kevin yeah. Durant, 55. He's the first player to have 55, uh, 40, 90. Um, but only played in, I think the number is 45 games. Does that, are we, do we count that as the first 55, 40, 90 or no? Mike. You mean count it because it happened? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you think like, yeah, do we, should we count that as the first one to ever happen? Does he played over so? half the games, which is kind of pathetic to like be the criteria, but um, I'll count it, man, but I don't like it. I'll be honest. Um I can't I stand KD, so I don't want to count it. I don't think I do. I think 65 games. Like, I think you need to play in, like, 75% of the yeah, games. Because your field goal percentage is going to be higher if you play in I think games. that's such a good number at 65. I like It's, it's perfect. I, it's where the individual awards and, and stuff is the criteria. So maybe we should just, before we start announcing, like, stuff like that, maybe we just need to lock that in that that's this is the criteria. So like I said, I mean, he had it through 45 games. It's obviously a pretty good track record but if you don't play almost half it's tough for me to like give you that like that credit so yeah it happened but i'm not like gassing it up 
and Durant is like twenty and two since like November twenty fifth in games yeah, he's played. I saw that so too. It's pretty stupid. Yeah, uh, Jamie, it's what do you think? What are your thoughts? Uh, you got final thoughts here as we wrap up the series. I'm giving him that stat, man, because I mean, there's really nothing that comes out of that stat other than just you know it being a stat. Like you don't get, yeah, you basically get a pat on the back for it. Um, and he earned it. I mean, regardless, the injuries he did have were, I mean, he didn't rest. He didn't take a lot of rest games, in my opinion. I think it was mostly just, um, I mean, besides the end of the, uh, the end of the year, but what everybody does, um, you know, it's credit to him. Um, he's, you know, the most efficient scorer we'll probably ever see, um, as well as one of the most unstoppable scorers. But, you know, that's pretty much all I have with that. Sons of six. Sons in six. All righty. Um, let's roll into our five. Mike, you said Sons of six. I said Sons of six. Let's roll into our last series here. Um, don't think we're going to get this any anything crazy here. Um, although the Wolves did split the season series 2-2 against the Nuggets. Um, Jamie, what's your storyline as we look into this series? My storyline is, I hate to be boring about this one, but it's, you know, Jokic in the playoffs can, as good as he's been back-to-back MVPs, could be a third, not really sure about that yet. It's time to make make some noise in the playoffs or, you know, these these stat-stuffed seasons are for absolutely nothing. Yeah, and I think it's part of the reason why you – you can't give him a third straight MVP. He's had no postseason success. So we're going to give a guy who has no postseason success uh, three straight MVPs over LeBron, over Michael Jordan, over uh, probably a couple of other guys that I'm not thinking of. Um, I don't think you can do it without postseason success. I understand that's a regular season award, but at the end of the day, uh, giving someone something for the first time since, what, 19, I think it was 85, uh, I don't, I don't, I it might be disrespectful for what he does, but I don't think it's much like assist for a center um, doesn't necessarily impact winning. So I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't fully buy into the Jokic thing. Mike, you. Uh, it's fun. Like assist yeah. as a center are fun, <laughs> but like, it's like rebounds for a point guard. I was about to say you are padding stat. You've said that, I, but you can't also knock it. I'm, I don't, no, I don't want to knock it because he's obviously still being effective and he's super efficient and he's phenomenal and he has these eyes. But, like, I need my center to be a rim protector, not a passer. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, the trajectory of the, the NBA and centers in the game as a whole is they want centers to – they're kind of morphing the center position. So, And I agree uh, with that, and that's obviously true. But at the end of the day, Embiid is still our MVP, and he is the old school. Yeah, that's um, – Old school with the jumper, I should say, because he he can shoot it better than most good back then. Yeah. Um, Mike, your storyline for the series, if you have. No, I I I would like to say kind of similar to what I said. I think, oh, it's kind of similar to like Boston for me. It's just a good spot for the the Nuggets to get kind of rolling. Um, kind of a good tester, but. I guess if I had to pick a specific storyline, I'm I'm gonna go Jamal Murray. Um, first time, you know, coming back uh, fully healthy, it would seem back to the playoffs here. If the Nuggets are going to um, 
you know, make a deep run. Obviously, defense isn't their strong suit. So if they're not stopping teams, they, you know, damn well better be scoring more than them. I would love to see the, the bubble Jamal Murray come back. It's so fun to watch. It was amazing. Um, just uh, just an offensive display, really. But I, I don't think he hits that level, obviously. But I, I need him consistent, uh, high performance from him. He's he kind of still been going on the, the roller coaster ride. So maybe playoffs kicks it. He kicks it in gear. So that's, that's kind of my storyline. Yeah, I mean... Jamal Murray needs to be that guy if the Nuggets are going to get by in the second round. Like he needs to be the all-star we thought he could be um after that bubble. We we thought the sky was the limit for Jamal Murray and now we kind of look back and obviously he's coming off the injury, the further away he gets away from the injury, the better he, he you you think he's the better he's going to play at some point. Um I think, you know, the Jamal Murray line is huge. And I think with Jamal Murray, it's Michael Porter Jr., another guy they paid a lot of money to, another guy they heavily rely on. Are these guys going to be consistent contributors for you? Or are these guys going to become trade assets in the summer? Um, I think I think if this flops, they have to do something this summer. And I think one of those two guys probably gets traded um, to try and help re-identify their team. Jamie, your thoughts? on uh jamal murray yeah we need to see i mean much like i said about tyler hero um for the heat to do anything which i mean turned out to be wrong because he didn't do shit yesterday but um he's got to bring up back that bubble mentality and um you know get get 50 one night uh if if you need it you know he's gotta he's gotta step up because when he does this team is just a different different team um just a quick stat, um, the Nuggets have two guys in the top five in plus-minus this year and four guys in the top ten for all of the NBA. So, I mean, when their starters are out there, they usually win, um, and I'm expecting more of the same. My storyline is, can Anthony Edwards be the an X-factor in this series? I think a lot of people are going to look towards a sweep here, but um, I think... Minnesota just has some different things that could be a little more difficult for the Nuggets than people think. Anthony Edwards is one. Who guards Anthony Edwards? Um, you have to use Aaron Gordon on Carl Anthony Towns. Jokic will likely be guarding Rudy Gobert. Um, and that kind of frees up Anthony Edwards to be guarded by Catavius Caldwell-Pope, which is a nice defender. But I, I think Anthony Edwards can get to the rim. I think he can do some nice things in this series um, to ultimately get the Wolves maybe a win or two. Um, but can he take the step? He he played poorly against the Lakers. He played he played pretty solid uh, last night, but last night wasn't close. They kind of blew him out. Um, well, they didn't kind of blow him out. They blew them out. And uh, it'll just be interesting. I wanted to see Anthony Edwards take that step in the play, and it didn't happen. But now he has a full series to do uh, some interesting things that I think could give the Nuggets a lot of different fits. Mike, what is your prediction for the series? This is tough. Um, I, I, so the, the Nuggets are winning it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but is that what you think? Is more people are going to lean towards the sweep? I think people. I think it'll be. I think people say Nuggets in five would be the hot take here. Yeah, like the the public take. I should. Say. I'll go. I'll go. Not uh, like a little non chalk here because I, I. I think. Nuggets in five is, is you're right, probably the most popular. I'll give I'll give the Timberwolves two games here. 
Um, they do have some interior defense with Gobert. Um, you said a split the season series, correct? Yeah. Yep. Two two. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a. I'll give it two games they pick up here, so nothing crazy, but the Nuggets still get it done. Jamie, your prediction. My prediction is a clean sweep. Um, as good as you know, Anthony Edwards and Cat can be at times. Uh, I just think Denver has um, has goals this year, and um, you know, this is just another stepping stone in one of them. Yeah, I mean, they got to go in and take care of business. Um, I think that's important. I want to, man. I think, man, I wanted to do something crazy. I was, I was really thinking Nuggets and seven, but I think it's just too much for the Wolves, Mike. I think you're probably right, though. I think it's more of a six-game series. Um, Rudy Gobert around the rim changes how teams finish around the rim, whether we want to admit it or not. And I know Jokic might be able to pull him away, so maybe we see more of a cat on Jokic. Um, these are just kind of the different things they can do. And I'm sure Denver is going to be really making sure that they play the four out one in. So Rudy Gobert can't necessarily be around the rim uh, with the, him guarding Aaron Gordon or Nicole Jokic. And I just think that's going to be the issue here. But I do think the uh, the T-Wolves the, can compete. And I, I've said it all year. I just This is not the time of the year I buy the Nuggets. So I also have the Nuggets in the sixth. Um all right, guys, so we covered all the playoff games. There's one final thing we got to do, though. We got to make our last finals predictions. Um, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to I have the chalk. Like, I think everybody has the chalk one where we're going to say Buck Suns. I think that's probably the most realistic option that we get. But if I'm going to take a fun one, I, I'm telling you, man, I really like the Philadelphia 76ers this postseason. And I think, like, if I'm not taking the Bucks and the Suns as a finals, I think I would take the 76ers out of the East. Um, but it would probably be against the Suns. Um, Mike, do you have a finals prediction? One final one? Are you going to stick to your preseason finals prediction, which is not the only – well, all of us could still hit, actually, on that. But uh, Bucks and – Nuggets, you pick. Nuggets, I did pick. Uh, I'm definitely keeping Bucks. Um, I'm sup- see, I think a lot of people are – you're right. Bucks are favorite, but I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on the Celtics. Like I feel like it should be a lot closer, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I am sticking with Bucks. Uh, are we allowed to switch? I don't want to be a sellout, but since you know, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is a new one. This is, this say, is since things have player. changed with the the Phoenix Suns, it's hard for me not to go there. So I will go chalk as well. I wish I could be more exciting for you guys, but Jamie. Uh, I'm gonna switch it up here. Um, I'm gonna go the the, the uh, <laughs> coach by. No, Steve I'm Nash. actually. I don't think anybody's gonna have this, but other than you know, uh, Ohioans, Ohioans, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, I'm gonna go the Cleveland Jamie, Cavaliers. Don't put the nothing but net curse on the Cavs, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna go the Cleveland right. Cavaliers, and I'm gonna go the Los Angeles Lakers, and I think that. That would be a wild, oh wild story. <laughs> that would be Let's the most fun. Yeah, LeBron returns to Cleveland for the finals. A storyline of storylines right there. You're right. That would be. Um, That'd be fun. Wow. That would. Be. I mean, I'm wrong on every single uh, take I have, so I might as well go fucking off the wall and hope for, you know, hopefully so some a- <laughs> sticks. I don't know. Yeah. 
Man, this podcast would be lit if we had both of our teams in the finals. So it's a Knicks sweep then because Jamie just cursed him, huh? No, no. Yeah, well, he cursed the Lakers too. So, (laughs) (laughs) Mike, we're not far behind you, but we just got an extra week. (laughs) Hey, at least you guys are playing a series. (laughs) All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up and get on out of here. Start here with you, Jamie. Yeah, the playoffs are here. Um, first game in a few hours. Uh, I'm stoked. I'm ready to go. Um, we'll see you. When's our next uh, our next episode, Steve? Next episode will be recorded on s- Monday. Sorry, Monday. We're going to recap the first weekend, all the game ones on Monday. All right, sounds good. All right, I'll see you Monday. So that'll uh, drop Tuesday. The- Correct. Um Thanks for listening. Yep. Appreciate it. Um, you know, first weekend is here. Let's get it. Mike. Yeah, everyone. This is this is what we've kind of been working towards all year. Been a long year, fun year. Playoffs are finally starting. We got our team set. Uh, a lot of fun matchups. A lot of good narratives and stories. So um, it's exciting to watch, man. Hopefully, we have some good series, good games. And yeah, we appreciate every every listen you guys give. All the support. Um, and yeah, we'll be giving you a lot of updates here shortly. So look for us on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be a busy time of the year for the NBA. Um, matchups, you know, matchups come to fruition. It's going to be exciting. It's fun. It's the best time of the year for the NBA. We appreciate our continued support. You guys were awesome for the play in episode. Uh, we know you guys are going to be awesome for these playoff episodes. We appreciate you guys. The time's finally here, fellas. It's time to finally figure out who our championship or who our champion in 2023 is going to be. But with that being said, we will see you guys on Tuesday. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Nothing But Net NBA podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Nothing But Net.